0: Oh boy, are we in for a treat. And yes, I did say we, you and me, you and I. Um, you and I, we don't want to be like them. Any One Direction fans out there? Any Directioners? Any? No? I'm actually, I, I will say, I do like their music. I might have just lost a listener or two or 50 or 100, but it's cool you don't like One Direction, I think you can still listen to my podcast because this podcast is not sponsored, endorsed, anything by One Direction. So no worries, okay? Here we go. We got a sponsor, and then I'll be right back to tell you who's on the episode today. But you probably already know because it's in the title. All righty. Damien Leone. Leone? Damien Leone? Damien Leone? God damn it. All right. Give me one second. I need to research this. I have Google in front of me um, because I always have Google in front of me. Uh, And Google, by the way, is the name of my assistant, my little person that is my server, servant. Yeah, I named him Google. Damien Leone is how old? There we go, that'll tell me. It won't tell me. How do you pronounce Damien Leone?
1: All right, I am Edward Pivos from Live, and I am here with Damien Leone and...
0: Damien Leone. Leone and Damien Leone and Leone Damien Leone. Okay. All right. Good to know. Alrighty, we are being joined by a incredibly badass filmmaker um, who unleashed arguably one of the most frightening characters of the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60. Yeah, years. <laughs> One of the freakiest characters ever put on screen uh, in Art the Clown. And I have, I'm have. i obviously talking about Damien Leone. Is it Leone? Leone? I'm sorry, Damien. I really do apologize, man. Uh, nothing but respect. Leone. I think that's how you say it. Um, it's okay, man. I hope you butcher my name. Eddie Green, even though there's not an E at the end of my name. But yeah you know this was a lot of fun i i wanted to talk to damien because i stumbled across terrifier and uh, that movie is something else that is a that is a bizarre movie and i just knew i wanted to talk to him because i needed to know all the little intricacies because you guys know uh you know cinema film movies is one of my all-time favorite things in life so i'm always ready to talk film and uh so this was a lot of fun very easy i was a little scared at first but he made it so simple to just talk and he's such a down-to-earth guy and i would actually love to do like a like a (laughs) i was gonna say a standard but eh, we want to go like above and beyond standard i i would love to do like a weekly podcast with him i could i absolutely 100 percent could he probably doesn't want to do it he's uh not uh willing to uh, sit down with a with a schmuck like me probably but either way um, I really enjoyed this so Damien thank you so much for coming on man this is this is seriously I I in one of my Instagram posts I commented that you literally solidified yourself as one of my favorite guests of all time so here we go guys get ready get set it is Damien Leone. So I love that uh, and I did this on purpose. I uh, I wore my my uh, Oh, there you go. My Pennywise. I don't have a Art the Clown hat yet.
1: Well, a legit one doesn't exist yet. We do have a, we did have a hats with the logo just Terrifier on it, but uh, we'll definitely be coming out with some cool Art the Clown hats for sure.
0: So that's so, so as of right now that's the only official Terrifier hat.
1: Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, dude, it's nice to meet you, man.
1: Dude, nice to meet you. I love the uh, Terminator figure you have in the back. It's fantastic. Oh, sweet.
0: Yeah, I got one and two, and that's like my Cameron shrine. I call it. And I love that. uh, So for everyone listening, uh, because this is a strictly audio podcast, behind Damien is uh, a physical media library. And it's just amazing. It's (laughs) It's just so... Dude, like... And I'm wearing the Blockbuster shirt. It's like oh that's awesome you know it's it's you have to be a, like obviously clearly you're a physical media guy
1: oh yeah big time big time um if you saw my old uh, vhs collection i mean i can't even that's in storage bins and everything in my old house but uh, hundreds and hundreds it all started with the vhs collection
0: oh yeah dude what about laserdisc uh,
1: never got into that never, never got into that one no um, but lived, grew up living in, the uh, you know, pick a flick, which was the mom and pop video store before I even went into say blockbuster or uh, at the time it was West coast video and Palmer video. Those were like when the chain started getting a little bigger, yep. but I always loved the mom and pop place. That's where I saw all the gems.
0: Oh yeah. Did you ever do, um, a family video? Have you heard of family video? No, no. Not okay. No. That must be like a Southeast kind of thing. Cause I'm in Florida right now.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm Staten Island, New York. So
0: That's interesting because I have a friend who saw that you were coming on and she was like, You have to ask him, was he born in New York? Because that's literally all I hear. Oh
1: really? Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn, actually. Okay. Yeah. But I've so I've been here since I'm three, uh Staten Island, but it's all it's all the same. Nice Basically. dude. Yeah.
0: So literally that's it. Like just New York. That's like, that's, that's all New
1: York guy. Yep. Yep. Damn. <laughs> until these um, until these conventions, uh now I'm traveling the country a lot more but uh, hadn't really gone I've been to Florida as a kid um, I went to Jamaica that was basically it other than some other little areas around the East Coast not a big traveler so what are you
0: want... uh, what do you think about these virtual conventions that are going on right now
1: um I like them I did one or I think I did two so far and it's cool it's cool just to still stay you know. You know, stay up to date and uh, still talk to some fans and things like that. It's kind of cool. Um, I don't mind that. I love this stuff.
0: Oh yeah, dude, it's it's addictive. And I mean, you're like, like your your story is so so interesting because um, you started as you, like this is the only thing that you've ever wanted to do, right? Like filmmaking. That's it. Yeah, it's true.
1: Yeah, it's just as I'm a little kid,
0: just like you probably were doing like the super eights or like close to the super eights. Right?
1: Yeah. When I was really little, well, when I started dabbling with making short films and things like that, I was around 12, 11, 12. And uh, it was my, my friend's father's JVC camcorder. I mean, this was before even mini DV and things like that. You're talking ancient technology. Um, so that's what that's what we used to use to make uh, to make our little home videos. But uh, it all started with effects. So effects really got me into filmmaking as a whole um cuz i was obsessed with tom savini oh yeah you know you know everybody knows tom oh savini. yes he's my he's my hero and uh, when i saw his vhs tape scream greats from that mom and pop video store that we were talking about that's where i discovered it um it just blew my mind that i just saw how somebody actually created the monsters for the first time and i'd already been obsessed with jason and everything so when i saw the uh the trailer to that film, and I saw Tom Savini with like his arm around the Jason puppet from uh, the final chapter. I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like somebody makes that, and there it is, and it's not real, and it looks so cool. And then, uh, and then that was it. So I would, um, I would practice effects on my friends and send them home with cuts on their faces to their parents and freak them out. And when I saw that reaction, that really got me going. So uh, continued doing the effects, but a lot of Savini's effects are. Uh, you know, they're illusions made for the camera. So you need to get your hands on a camera and start editing to really see how they how they play. And uh, once I started doing that, that's when I really got into filmmaking, just as a director and as a writer. Um, yeah. Dang.
0: Does does Rick Baker factor into this at all?
1: Oh, absolutely. He's one of my he's another one of my heroes. Okay. I, I bought his uh, that giant um, his book. His, yeah, oh. it's like I had to get that immediately it's beautiful yep um, yeah i i love all those guys I, I i say i put them all on my uh my mount rushmore of heroes uh he's up there dick smith stan winston rob Botine. uh am I'm, I'm obsessed with all those guys learn so much from those guys are you uh are you particularly fascinated by rick baker is he like one of your
0: no well i, I- well, the interesting thing is, I think if you ask the general public, I think they're probably going to point to, like, he's sort of the John Williams, I think, <laughs> of makeup. You can correct me if I'm wrong, like, in your opinion, oh. but I think he's sort of like when people think of music in motion pictures, most people think of John Williams. You're right, right. And so I think the same thing applies to Rick Baker. That might be because he won the first Academy Award for it, but, you know, it's. And the interesting thing about Baker versus Savini is Savini did a lot more in in like strictly the horror genre, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slanger. Yeah, gritty. Vi- just, yeah, definitely more of the graphic violence and creating those cool more effects, uh, like illusions, you know, knives going into people and making it yeah. look like, you know, there's machetes stuck in, you know, the real actor and things like that. But when I talk about Rick Baker, Rick Baker is on another level than most mostly all the other makeup artists from that time because he took the quality to, to another level. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I've spoken to people today. When you watch, say, American Werewolf in London today in, in 4K, and you just see all the detail in those puppets still to this day are mind-blowing. Just beautiful, beautiful work. Oh, yeah. And he was like, 20, he was like 26. He might have been younger. He might have been 21 at the time. It's really unfathomable, the, the quality.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the, um, what do you think about the 4K uh, restorations? Because I know there's been some issues with uh, people that, when you update an older film to something like 4k, what you're going to get is you're going to get such an enhanced photo or picture that you're going to start to see stuff that you maybe wouldn't be seeing if it was in a lower quality picture, you know?
1: Oh, that happens for sure. I just, um, I don't, I don't mind it. Honestly, I just got jaws, which is my favorite movie of all time. I got that on 4k. Now I didn't watch the actual movie yet, but I watched, um, Uh, I only had time to watch one of the special features, which is they go into the restoration process. Okay. It's amazing. I was just just seeing the side-by-sides and them going into the vault and getting the negative. And now the negative, the original negative is kind of scratched up and everything. But of course, they're going in and painstakingly removing all the hairs, any scratches, you know, uh, colors from shots back in the day that they couldn't match. They're matching everything. So it's just, it looks stunning. It looks stunning. Um, I actually, I didn't realize until, and I've seen Jaws since I'm three years old, countless times, hundreds of times. So I, I never even noticed that sh- until recently, the shot where the shark jumps on the boat, that uh, that it's two stuntmen for that wide shot playing uh, Hooper and uh not Hooper uh Quentin Brody as the shark lands on the boat like i never even noticed that but when you start watching it a million times and the quality's getting better you know things like that start to stand out
0: oh shit
1: yeah yeah
0: oh wow yes he well there's a perfect example so i'm sure like maybe in a lower quality dvd their faces were so pixelated Right? oh my god
1: yeah and i grew up watching the vhs which of course was like four by three so yeah. the whole movie, <laughs> I half the movie as a kid watching it you know it's 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 unbelievable yeah funny enough, like i had um i had jaws taped on a vhs off of television when i was a kid so I, I was watching it with commercials and stuff it was from probably around 86 87 and it wasn't until i bought the vhs uh in like the mid 90s maybe that I actually saw the uncut version for the first time. I remember watching, now this is a movie at that point, I've seen, you know, 50 times, 70 times. And then when the uh, the kid, when Alex Kittner gets eaten and he's getting thrashed out of the water and you see all the blood flying, I'd never seen that before because that wasn't in the televised version that I had. So yeah. that, that flipped me out when I first <laughs> it. It Flipped me out. I thought that was the craziest thing. Seeing a kid get brutalized like that was unbelievable. Yeah,
0: man. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I that would... Remember. That release has just been getting nothing but but good reviews. And it seems like Universal really does a good job with that particular movie, Jaws. Like every time they do a new Blu-ray or something, it just seems like it gets five-star reviews across the board.
1: Yeah, well, they, have, they kind of treat that as one of their holy grails, and rightfully oh, yeah. so. It's just the best. Now,
0: the best. did you ever get to experience the ride at Universal? I did. Yeah. I did.
1: Yep, yep, yep. In 98 or something, 98, 99. Yeah, that was fun. The King Kong ride, all those rides that aren't there anymore. Back nope, to the no,
0: Yeah. Yep. Well, <laughs> you know, it's the interesting uh, thing about the Jaws ride is that at least it got taken out by something that's somewhat in comparison, like maybe not on statue level, but just in terms of respect level, like the Harry Potter franchise. Like that's, you know, it is, it
1: right. you yeah. know what I mean? Which is is amazing for I've sure. On, on
0: that, yeah. For sure. Now, if yeah. you go to Universal in California. Speaking of Terminator, because I'm a huge Terminator guy. Uh, yeah. When I started the podcast way back in the day, it was literally called Terminator 101, and that's all it was. It was just me talking nothing but Terminator. I had Michael Bean on. I had. Oh,
1: uh, I met him so briefly at a con, and he was so nice and right? so, cool. Yeah.
0: so cool. He's so cool. He's so cool. And his wife is even cooler because she was the one that she was the one that put it all together for us because he's not technologically savvy. Okay. And we had to do something like this, so I was in touch with her, and she was setting it up. So, um, but if you go that's to but if you go to California, the Terminator attraction that was in uh, Universal Studios, it got taken out by the Minions from Despicable Me. Uh,
1: that's tough, right? That's that's a
0: that's a tough one to swallow. <laughs>
1: tough one. <laughs> I'm sure it's still great though. All those rides, uh, the technology is amazing. But
0: and, and then and then here in Florida, because this was the original uh, attraction of Terminator Two this one got taken out by jason Bourne. they just put in a new Bourne stunt show okay. okay so i don't know like that one's a little better like it's not the minions but it's still it's jason Bourne. it's uh, like i don't know it doesn't seem that relevant you know he doesn't have
1: quite he's not uh he's not at the indiana jones uh no. statue so to speak but uh yeah. i've only seen the first Bourne movie uh, i gotta i gotta brush up on those I hear they're incredible.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, like having- like n- not taking anything away from it, but it's just, ah, it's, yeah. you know what I mean?
1: No, I do know exactly. <sighs> what you mean. It's uh, I got a question for you since you're such a huge Terminator fan. I was talking to, I was actually talking to my actress, uh, Lauren the other day about, cause she just watched Terminator two, hadn't seen it in a long time. Ooh. and it's one of my favorites. They're both uh, one and two, uh, two of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. So the end of Terminator two, okay. Do you think that he actually feels human emotion or he just understands it? Because I've gotten into this debate so many times with people and nobody agrees with me. I mean, nobody.
0: (laughs) Okay. So the question, does he feel human emotion or is he just understanding it now? Yes. Yeah. Based off of the way you phrase that, I think you fall into the category of you think he actually feels it, right? I do.
1: I do. Okay.
0: See, okay. So...
1: Oh, no, get, it, get it. I was going to say, think?
0: if we're going to base it off of his line, right? his line to John is, I, I know now why you cry, but it's something I can never do. Correct. So what does that mean? I know now why you cry. He So clearly he understands it now. Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. he feel it? But if you feel it, you're going to be able to cry, right? To
1: me, though, because I feel like the crying aspect is a physical action that he would actually have to be programmed to do, and that's just impossible. Yeah. Whereas... Because in the middle of the movie, when he sees John crying, right, for like the first time, and he's like, What's wrong with your eyes? And he doesn't, he can't, uh, he can't comprehend it. And he says, You know, and it hurts. And he kind of just like brushes it off. He doesn't get it. Uh-huh. And it's not until he has to say goodbye to him that he says, I know how you feel. Like to, to me, it's like trying to explain to a guy who has no taste buds what sugar tastes like. Like you can't possibly describe it to that person, he'll never understand what it tastes like. To me, that's the same thing with like human emotion. It's it's just something you can't grasp unless you are human and you experience it. That's me anyway. I don't know. I'm going off here. But oh uh, dude, I
0: love it, man. Seriously, I love that shit. Like I love this geeking out stuff because
1: I love it. Yeah. You
0: know, like that's something like seriously, had I thought of something like that, but I didn't, I did 50 episodes of the podcast, Terminator 101. That like literally is one of like something I would have done. I would have dedicated a whole episode to does he actually understand what it means? or or not you know yeah. um i you know i got into uh, cuz i focused only on the ter- uh, the james cameron terminators like mm. i stayed away I, I,
1: stopped. I stopped after
0: that yeah. yeah like i stay away from 3 4 5 all that stuff and um you know i would do stuff like uh um what, what i'm trying to think of one of the episodes that i did what what was it it was um it had to do with Damn it! Why like, like like I'm literally flaking right now just because it's in the moment. But it was a it was it was a very kind of zeroed in topic that maybe mm-hmm. nobody else would have thought of. And uh, I just love like that's like, like that's the whole point of me telling you that, like I love when people think of that kind of thing. No one would really yeah. think of something like that to ask that question. They would just kind of let it hit them and uh, you know. That's how I
1: look at movies. I analyze them to death. I look at I try and find all the subtext of what's going on and oh, everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, you that's got it. it. That's you, yeah. That, but that that's really interesting that you're uh, that you're that you're in a genre, right? With Terrifier, with All Hallows Eve, with with everything that you've done so far, you are in a um, like you're like you're in one type of genre. Are you trying to continuously stay in that genre, like a Rob Zombie, or are you, or are you going to try to maybe as the as the as the films roll out, are you going to try to maybe branch off into other genres?
1: I love horror to death. It's my favorite uh, it's my favorite genre, but I would like to eventually branch off into something something along the lines of say taxi driver. Okay. It would always have to be some sort of crime, some sort of criminal element, I feel. Or or an action movie. Oh yeah. Maybe a sci fi something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, see me doing a comedy or a romantic comedy or, or something musical. like that. Yeah. <laughs> They'd have to be like you know how David Cronenberg sort of branched out from his you know his his niche, which say like the fly or video drone, but then he starts doing things like Eastern Promises and uh, History of Violence, where they're still very much Cronenberg. Yeah, Uh, he puts his you know his his thumbprint is clearly on them with his the the violence and the themes and things like that. Um, So if I can go in that direction eventually, that would be cool. But I have no problem sticking with straight horror
0: yeah for sure man i um it's um it's sort of like um you would probably do something just based off what you said you're a fan of joker is that oh yeah
1: i did yeah i liked it a lot
0: okay so something like that Mm -hmm. maybe
1: i would love to i would love to and that's cool that was i feel like that movie was just uh an homage to so many other classic movies like it had the taxi driver feel it had the king of comedy Mm-hmm. Feel you know, I I know Scorsese was affiliated with that somehow, but uh you definitely felt that that uh that essence.
0: Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, it's 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 interesting, especially talking to you. I mean, he, he is a he is in a way uh a, a, a cinematic clown, right? He is a Oh yeah. He's, he's arguably did. one of the most popular uh cinematic clowns, so to speak. But I don't think people think of the Joker in the same way that they think of someone as let's say art pennywise um even like yeah. the uh, like like the um, the killer clowns from outer space um, mm-hmm. I don't think people think of that I like I think of because you kind of those those characters like including art they're sort of you don't really know too much about what they are who they are and then of course you get Joker Joker is really kind of he is human so to speak and yeah. and um, or not even so to speak he is human but like art, People are kind of, people don't know what the hell is going on. Like, like myself included, we don't know what the fuck is yeah. going on with art. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I think with the Joker, it's because he's been around now forever. Like even our, our grandparents, it's almost like they can't even remember a time where the Joker didn't exist. He's, he's so part of pop culture and, you know, and he's, he's just this, this epic character, this epic villain. He's got to be in the top three villains of all time, probably in pop culture maybe that's, arguably
0: and the team uh, 1000 in there so
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and then uh, yeah and, you know and then yeah pennywise once those characters like that who are a lot more just hardcore horror and maybe appealing to a smaller kind of niche base uh, i guess that's why that's why that happens but he's a you know the joke is just a brilliant character um, that's something that i'm struggling with in terms of a lot of people want to know art's backstory um, and that's one of the things that's kind of split down the middle as to there's like two camps. There's people who are desperate to know what he's about, and then there's the other camp who are like, "Oh, you're going to destroy the mystique if you uh, if you say what it is." That's the downfall to every villain is when you reveal their motives or their backstory; it loses it loses all of its power. Yeah. Which I do tend to agree with. So I'm trying to trying to walk a fine line, see if I could please both sides if possible.
0: I mean you know it's okay so i would it would be safe to say that covid-19 has really and here's the obligatory talk of covid-19 it's safe to say covid-19 has kind of put a damper on the yeah. on the production it
1: did it did it shut us down uh for a while um we're still and we're almost at the finish line we have maybe like 96% of the movie completed we just have like three more scenes left to All shoot nice. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's there and I've been editing it this whole time, whatever we had. So definitely making progress, but originally we did want to have it out by Halloween of 2020. And that's, I'm I'm going to say, that's not going to happen at this point, unfortunately, but, um, it's not something that's going to take forever to come out. I think it'll be ready. It'll probably be edited and completed by, October, but and then it's, then it's just up to us to find distribution and get it out. So I, I feel like early 2021, it'll be out.
0: Okay. Is it going to be yeah. uh so, so, okay. So you have to find distribution. So it's not going to necessarily be, cause what it was dread central that, that. Originally yeah. Dread,
1: yeah. Yeah. So we don't have uh we're not locked into any distribution at the moment. Nice. So okay. we'll take it. We'll take it from there.
0: Dude, it's crazy, yeah. man. Like, well, first of all, I just love that you're, you know, you you you've achieved a level of success, and yet it seems like you're very active when it comes to, you know, talking to fans. When it comes to being active on social media, it like you're not like you haven't let it get to your like your head in that degree of being like, well, you know, I created Terrifier, and so I'm not going like 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 I'm off limits. You know what I mean? Nah. That's so fucking nah, I- cool, dude. <laughs>
1: No, I talk to everybody. <laughs> I try. I try my best. Uh, I always go through my DMs and stuff. And always on... Uh, they have the Art the Clown Appreciation Society on uh, on Facebook. And it's like a crazy, crazy Art the Clown family in there, which is wild. I'm always going in there. No, I, I mean, you know, we, like we were just talking about movies. I'm just like everybody else who loves Terrifier. That's how I am with all the horror movies I grew up loving and everything like that. So these are the people that I want to hang out with and talk to and uh, the same, we have the same, same things in common. So I think it's, I think it's great to keep in touch with all, all your, I don't even like calling them fans, but I mean, I just, I, I like keeping in touch with people and communicating with them. And, and I read every comment, every comment, every video that pops up. I want to see what people say. I want to see what people like, what they don't like. I think it's so important to see where I can improve, which there's a lot of places I can improve upon the first terrifier. Um, You know, and some people don't understand that. And they're like, oh, don't you hate seeing negative things and everything like that? And I say, not at all, honestly, because you have to, especially, you have to learn from failure. It's only going to make you better. So there's only two options they're either trolling you or there's validity to the criticism and you can learn from it. So I love love looking at everything, I think it's very important.
0: All right, dude, it's a, but, This is the interesting thing for everyone listening. So, I originally had reached out to Damien on Facebook. I don't even know if you like, did you see that message or no? Like, do you check your Facebook?
1: I'm not on Facebook as much as Instagram. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I think I just thought it like because a Facebook messenger kind of pops up on, like, if it's like your phone, it'll just pop up. And I thought, okay, maybe that's maybe the best way to get in touch with you. Um, But then I made a post on Instagram and it went something along the lines of I reached out to Damien and I want to get him on because. Terrifier is the first movie in a long time that has simultaneously blown my mind and pissed me the fuck off, and 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 and, and I was so surprised that you instantly replied, "I'm down to come on." <laughs> like, like most people would have been like, "Dude, fuck you. you!" Like, you're dissing my movie in a way. Like, but I wasn't even really dissing the movie. It's just maybe you. No, of course. Maybe you like. Did you construct the movie in such a way to? to to have maybe like that kind of effect because
1: i I did okay i did yeah i especially i don't know i don't know what pissed you off but when i (laughs) killed i killed the Tara character i I knew i was going to piss the audience off there and and it wasn't so much just to be sort of spiteful and vindictive in a way like just being a dick it was really to set up the art, the clown character as this really vile, unpredictable villain that you can never trust. And he'll take out any character, like no character is safe around him. So Terrifier one is really just all about setting up art as a, as a villain, as you can see. I mean, you know, and, and one of the big criticism is that it has and rightfully so that it has very little to no plot, but that was sort of the point when I wrote it, I knew that was going to be an issue, but I wanted to sort of have the movie be in uh just like almost a real time experience where you're in the situation, you're in the shoes of the characters where they're just thrust into this and it almost you know, un- unravels, unfolds in real time. So you're not really jumping around. It just takes place over that, sorry, say four hour, three hour span or whatever. So so that was, that was the idea. I wanted it to feel like the last 15 minutes of your typical slasher, but stretched out, see if I could do that for a whole film, just make it sort of kick ass for an hour and 20 minutes. Whether I succeeded or not, I don't know. But that was the uh, that was the goal.
0: Well, no, I think it uh, just based off of because I mean, this is people are talking about it like it's a like it's like that. This is a new icon. This is essentially, I think you can maybe trace back to Jigsaw as the last real kind of prolific horror icon. And then there's sort of a there's sort of a gap in there. Some people talk about Victor Crowley from the Hatchet movies, yeah. um, but you have like a real gap. And then all of a sudden. You have Terrifier, which now that it's on Netflix, I think it's even sort of, right? Like that's sort of propelled it into a whole other level because now you have casual people that necessarily aren't looking for it at a convention. They're just stumbling yeah. across it in their in their trending or whatever. And, yeah. and dude, I mean, the design of art, which is the poster, I mean... Even if you're not into horror, it, it it instantly grabs you like no other film on Netflix does because that's how I discovered it. I was just scrolling through Netflix, and it popped up <laughs> on my trending, and I was like, "I don't know what the fuck this is," but that poster alone has my interest just because it's so. It,
1: and, it, <laughs> and I've heard that so many times that <laughs> that's how people that's how people watched it. Like I just keep seeing that goddamn clown that yeah. face, and I have to see what it's about. <laughs> so. So that's cool that's cool i believe in cool posters uh i designed the poster i, I mean i didn't uh sketch it out but i designed the poster for part two because i love again as a kid i would you would pick movies in your mom and pop store based on the cover if it had great artwork uh, man that was that was everything and then you got home and the movie was horrible most of the time <laughs> but the artwork was so amazing especially especially like fantasy movies You know, like the Conan the Barbarian ripoffs, they had the best artwork, the best covers with these big creatures, and then they were just like these low budget, awful movies. When you got home, Um, so but I I love that. I love. I think the poster is super important to to grab people. I put a lot of time in designing posters and everything.
0: Oh yeah, dude. I mean, it 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 instantly grabbed me, and um, that because because that is the official poster, right? It's literally just Art's head, and then yeah, yeah.
1: that was was actually just the I believe it was just the shot of. the shot of him in the pizzeria that we enhanced and uh, that that like big first smile that he gives the Tara character it's, it's that face yeah. I mean that's all you need right? I mean just sell sell that face for part one. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and so I'm sure one of the, like because it's like this is something that I'm insanely curious about is um and I don't think I've ever figured out the answer I've heard a couple interviews with um with David who plays art but mm-hmm. originally he was not art it was it was a totally different actor
1: correct yeah
0: what is the what's the backstory between why it why like like how come you didn't keep that actor going forward into terrifier
1: i tried to that's my close friend uh still my friend mike mike Gianelli, and how this all started was when i made my first short film with uh art the clown which was called the ninth circle that's that's the first segment on uh all hallows eve on the vhs tape um so at that time art the clown like that, that short film that I made, the ninth circle was going to be my calling card. It was my first official sort of short film that I was actually shooting on 35 millimeter film. And back then you didn't know how to break into the industry. And everybody just said, look, make a, make a short film that's going to stand out and get it into festivals, whatever. So I said, I'll do something that's pretty, it's just short and kick-ass and I'll put all my effects in it. I'll pack it out with creatures. And if, if they don't, like the movie, maybe they'll like the effects. And I just always had this idea about a clown. And I figured we'll start the movie off with the clown, but the clown's only the supporting character. He's only in the beginning. And he basically just abducts this woman, uh, injects her with a needle, she passes out, then wakes up in the hands of this demonic cult. And that was it, the clown's out of it. Um, but when people saw it, oh well, let me talk about Mike first. So I needed someone to play this clown. And uh, my buddy, Mike, I would always just we'd hang out and I would always just practice effects on him and mold his face and make masks. And I'd put uh, tubes on him and whatever I had to do. And I'm like, Mike, I got this clown character. I'm like, don't worry, you don't have to act. He just kind of sits there and smiles and makes faces. I'm like, it, it's, it's cool. You could do it. Trust me. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. And then before you know it, like everybody who saw that movie just kept talking about the clown character no matter what. Like the movie was cool, but that clown, you might have something there. I'd like to see more of him. And then it was like, all right, Mike, you want to make another one? We'll do something like a 20 minute short. And it's just focusing on the clown now. Sure, I'll do it. And then that gets bigger. And then he, so he just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then when Terrified came along, um, I called him up. I asked him if he wanted to do it. And he was sort of apprehensive. And, you know, I really begged him to do it. But long story short, he just, He's not an actor and he didn't want to spend all those hours in the makeup chair anymore because it is a lot and it's grueling and it takes a lot of dedication. But he just wasn't up to do it. And, uh, you know, I had to just I had to let him go. It was it was really really tough Um, and it was scary because I didn't want to recast the role because it already worked and I didn't know what bringing another actor in was going to do to it. It could destroy everything. So so that was the scariest aspect of going into Terrifier was recasting Art the Clown now.
0: Yeah, dude. Oh yeah. man. But I mean you like you really got lucky with David because mm-hmm. you know, he is and what's really interesting is when you watch interviews with him talk like him talking about his his history doing like the Grinch tour, uh yeah. you know, he has that physicality that is that that that's obviously very necessary for for this character, who is essentially uh, like a Charlie Chaplin-esque horror character, yeah. he doesn't, you know, and, and
1: that, yeah, and that's something that we discovered about the character once we cast Dave, because with Mike we used his limitations sort of maybe to our benefit, or they just became what Art the Clown was. He wasn't this theatrical sort of flamboyant over the top clown character. He was just very kind of just cold and he give you more of a Michael Myers feel. Whereas then when Dave came in, yeah, there were just little things that I saw Dave doing just the way he walked, the way he skipped around, things like that. And at first I'm like, eh, that's a little too clowny, but I'm like, maybe we can inject a little bit of that into it here and there and, but make sure we always keep going back to the, to the cold Michael Myers type. And even with the, <clears throat> the comedy we found a lot more comedy with dave and especially after after each kill in Fire, almost every kill i like to i like art to do something funny or like wink at the audience or do something with the body where you know you kind of just a little bit of levity comes into it mm-hmm. unless it's a moment where when he kills tara i didn't want him to do anything funny i always want to remind the audience that he's terrifying at the end of the day that he's sadistic and evil and even though you have fun with him like he really is just this cruel nefarious character and you always have to be reminded of that where it's not always cool to have a good time with him (laughs) so so it depends but we did find a lot more humor with art and i I think a lot of people like it for the most part there's some people who actually still prefer um mike as as art because they think he's creepier but you never know i mean i hear everything i hear both sides but yeah. I love, absolutely love Dave, what Dave did to the character.
0: See, one of the, I think it's very hard to freak me personally out. Like it, like it, you know, and I think a lot of people struggle with this. We're so desensitized to everything we see now. Yeah. Um, literally, like I think uh, before I tell you like some of the moments that freaked me out, I think the last movie that genuinely unnerved me is the opening of Jeepers Creepers,
1: Okay.
0: Is uh so after the truck nearly runs them off the road, the moment that I'm talking about specifically is when they're passing the church and they see the creep
1: dumping the bodies or dumping whatever. the body
0: down the but the okay. but the like the specific moment is when he turns around and he realizes he's being watched and he just stares at them as the camera goes by. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember watching that as a kid because that came out in like 2001 and I saw it on VHS way too young, way too young to be seeing something like that. But like, that's literally, I think the last moment in a movie that genuinely unnerved me. And and so when I watched Terrifier, there's actually a few moments in here that that similarly did the same kind of effect. And I think the first one is literally the opening dude like the opening of your movie is genuinely unnerving, just because it's like I love how you start all the way back, and then the, and then the, like the TV just turns on, and then you slowly like go into the television, and then of course you have the the for for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, no spoilers, but you have a disfigured woman that just immediately pops up, and. Yeah. It's so it's so unnerving and I love the like I love how you decided to kind of keep it in the shadow with the static and and mm-hmm. like you didn't want to show too much and yeah just that moment like just that like that gave me the same feel and then of course it's the music as well the music is so just mm-hmm. next level creepy
1: I appreciate that man that was actually if you want to call it a serendipitous accident that wasn't supposed to be the opening the opening was a- that is actually because the makeup did not turn out very well uh, in my opinion so we actually filmed the entire talk show interview and the movie opened up in the studio and that scene goes on for like five minutes wow this is real yeah really in-depth interview with the two of them and i just couldn't i I couldn't accept the makeup so i'm like what are we gonna what are we gonna do about that and i said maybe we'll put her on a small tv with a lot of static and arts watching this I said, that, that could be cool. Um, so that's why. And then I kept putting the static and doing whatever I could to sort of obstruct the face and keep her more, more in the shadows. Um, so you gotta be creative and you know, some happy accidents sometimes.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, literally because this movie is all like, it, it, it is very in your face with the, with the violence and everything. So I think to like, seriously, like you said, like, they're, like so serendipitous to start the movie off a little in the shadows. I think that's yeah. a like that, like that's a very good happy accident and it just yeah, no. just unnerved nice. the fuck out of me man and then <laughs> and then correct me if i'm wrong you basically are doing an homage to wes craven's opening of nightmare on elm street
1: uh yeah 100 percent. okay
0: because yeah. instantly yeah. i got that vibe like i got okay this definitely gives me a freddy krueger assembling his glove feel yep
1: that's one of my favorite openings in any horror movie ever i think that is so powerful it's so epic just the music the atmosphere uh, hearing him breathing the sound effects is nothing better than that so i wanted to try and wanted to try and catch a little bit of that if i could i love one of my favorite things in movies is when characters are either suiting up like getting ready for battle or okay. readying readying weapons something like that not even in just horror movies uh Commando, when, like, this is one of my favorite scenes of all time when Arnold suits up on the beach. I, I've seen that like a thousand times. So I, I always try, if I can, to put little montages of people getting ready or sharpening weapons or anything they could do like that.
0: Now, the one exclusion is the Joel Schumacher Batmans, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are some bad suiting up moments. Like, those are some, like, they had really good intentions, but I mean...
1: You lost. You got the nipples, right? Unless you got
0: the like the nipples and the zoom-ins on the crotch and everything, and it's just
1: yes, right, the, the ass cheeks and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. he flipped out. Yeah,
0: he flipped but out. But
1: you know what? I'll never, I'll never badmouth Joel Schumacher because he made my other favorite horror movie of all time, which is The Lost Boys. So I'll, I'll fight, I'll fight to the death over that movie. I think that's that's my whole childhood. That film. I saw that in the movie theaters when I was four changed my life changed my
0: life that movie see i i haven't seen the like i, I i've obviously heard of the lost boys i haven't seen that one have you oh, seen
1: wow you have your whole life ahead of you That's yeah amazing. yeah yeah have yeah. you seen
0: um my personal favorite schumacher is phone booth
1: i i did yeah awesome movie i saw it movie theaters oh yeah. i yeah, fucking love movie. phone
0: booth and and, yeah. and no one talks about it and i mean it's such a like that is a literal modern day period piece because mm-hmm fucking phone booths don't do not exist at all
1: yeah exactly. even when he made the movie I, I think it was a bit of a stretch i remember him saying in an interview that there was literally only one phone booth left in <laughs> uh, in like Times square or wherever it took place so but yeah that's a great idea for a movie that's a yeah. great great concept
0: I, like i just have such a soft spot for that movie and no one knows about phone booth nobody knows about phone booth
1: that's a shame because that really that really is a cool movie and that's a that's like a real-time movie right it's oh, all yeah. Yeah, with the yeah. clock and that—that
0: like that was cool. I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I yeah, love. Dude, Joel Schumacher. He really, oh, really was. Hundred percent. Movies under his belt.
0: Hundred percent. I love one location movies. Those are like those are some of my favorites. Whether you're doing phone booth, 127 Hours, Buried with Ryan Reynolds.
1: Oh yeah. Have you ever seen um, Twelve Angry Men? Oh yeah. The original. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah,
0: and that's essentially a one location.
1: Yep. Yeah. Jury room and uh, and the bathroom. That's basically it. Uh, I've seen that countless times, countless times.
0: Yeah, me too. There's something really cool
1: and a little claustrophobic, even movies like night of living dead, you know, just being trapped someplace, the thing, you know, there's more locations, but you still get that sense of dread and being trapped. Yeah. I like that.
0: Would you, would you count terrifier as a single location, even though you do have the pizza parlor, but mainly we're like, it's all in this apartment complex.
1: Yeah, mainly. I guess technically no, but it does mainly take place in one location. Um, I see some people are happy that that's not the case after seeing the the trailer for *Terrifier 2*. I've noticed people saying, "Oh, I'm glad it doesn't all take place in <laughs> one location." So that's good.
0: <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's sort of like that sort of goes to show just how like the culture we live in today, where we're like we're even like we even can't deal with a single location movie, you know. <laughs> Like that's how, okay. like, that's how short our attention spans are. We need to see a consistently changing backdrop and yeah. it's like, there's really nothing wrong with, with a single location movie, as long as the filmmaker knows how to do it. Right. And, you know, yeah. in the case of you, you did it right. In the case of, uh, I think his name is Rodrigo Cortez with buried. If you like, yeah. have you seen <laughs> buried?
1: Uh, I haven't, I know all about it, okay. so, but yeah, that's pretty amazing. That, that is, is
0: literally that. like no joke. You're just like, in the
1: coffin with him the whole time. I mean, basically,
0: yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. it. That's amazing. You do not leave the coffin. The only time you leave the coffin is when you see a like a like he uh, gets a video of his wife, and that's it. But you but like you see him looking at it. It's not like you go into the video and you're part of the video. You just see him looking at it. And yeah. oh man, it's just like that's an exercise in filmmaking of how yeah. you were, yeah. how you're able to just maintain suspense for ninety minutes and. There, like there's only one gripe I have with that movie, but uh, I'm not going to spoil it because you haven't seen it. But
1: yeah. um, look, if something's good, uh, people will appreciate it. They'll they'll accept it. That's really what it comes down to. Because yeah, attention spans are so short today. But at the same time, you'll have people listen to a three-hour podcast if it's <laughs> enough, right? I mean, I do I do all the time. I'm constantly constantly watching Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh yeah. So yeah it's like the most entertaining thing to me so well,
0: what what but like what did you just say there you said watching right so you add in the visual element now I think yeah. if you take away the visual elements something like this podcast, you might get a little bit of a drop off in terms of audience just because now you have to literally focus on strictly audio but, and
1: but on the flip side I mean you would listen to this while you're at work or if you're like me i would I would be listening to this while i'm you know in jersey at my producer's house prepping effects so i can't i don't have time to watch it but at least it's on in the background and i can listen to it so 100 percent. i'm gonna be there for three hours at least so that's <laughs> um that's perfect uh again if it's good even even like um binge watching right people binge watch a show they'll go watch i have friends who watched the uh, game of thrones they, they they did like the entire series just to catch up to the to the last one in like a month or whatever. So that's a, that's a lot of dedication. And so if something's good, if it's good storytelling, you'll you'll get the audience.
0: 100%. And uh on the flip side, you have The Walking Dead who has uh Nicotero attached to it, right? Oh, he's one of my heroes as well. I was going to say he's sort of like a modern-day Mount Rushmore, like if there's a modern type mm-hmm. of uh like if you're going to uh, like so obviously the like the classic I uh, I would say is Rick Baker, Stan Winston, and I guess we'll put S- uh, Savini in there. And um, well, I would
1: put Dick Smith, who did The Godfather, The Exorcist. Uh, he's he's a legend, total legend. Um, but then if you go back even further, you have uh, you have Jack Pierce, who did Mummy, Wolfman, Frankenstein. You got to throw him up there. Then you have Lon Chaney, who was in the silent era, and he did Phantom of the Opera, I Hunchback. Have. Yeah, he was really doing some insane things. So, and those still stay hold up. You see the you see the Phantom of the Opera makeup. And that's gonna that's gonna be effective till the end of time. I mean, you don't want to run into that guy in an alley.
0: <laughs> well, no, and and that makeup is that like like similarly that actually reminds me a lot of that that, that moment um, when it is uh it, when when Tara comes in and she and she stumbles across uh, uh Art right and he's just mm-hmm. doing the he's just kind of standing there. like like he has his hands raised and he's just kind of looking at her and that's the second moment in this film that genuinely unnerved the hell out of me when when you just cut to it right and it's like like it's even in the trailer which i watched before i watched the movie so it's kind of like you know that there's going to be something like that but it's so quick in the trailer in the film you actually kind of linger on it for a second and it's just like dude this like this guy's not moving he's just kind of standing there and so it like I could see a tie-in maybe there because the Phantom of the Opera, he sort of does a similar thing. Like I, I haven't seen the movie, but I do know like that famous shot of him just going like, right? Oh
1: yeah, uh, there's a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of creepy mannerisms and staring and things like that. Yeah, see, I have to owe that to John Carpenter, that, that technique, because he's, of course, he's one of my favorites. Um, so he, and I think I forget who, what director he got that from, but whenever you just have a character off in the distance or whatever, just standing there, totally still, um, it's it's terrifying. It's just that silence before the storm. It's just it's so eerie. Um, always seeing Michael Myers, you know, when she looks and he's behind the uh, he's behind the sheet out the window, or she looks she's in, in the classroom and she sees him across the street just staring um, in the fog. Have you ever seen the fog?
0: I've seen Halloween, I have not seen the fog, no.
1: Oh my God, the fog is unbelievable, horrifying. He does that all the time. He always shows the ghosts just silhouetted and staring. Nice. And you just know music, anything, and you know like any second something horrible is gonna happen. It's a brilliant, simple technique that one of the only things that freaks me out in movies, uh, jump scares, things popping out here and there, it really has no effect on me whatsoever, but just something staring, not moving, something, yeah. something intimidating, yeah. Very creepy. Very yeah,
0: creepy. and 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 again, back to the creeper. I mean, what are your thoughts around those? Like, because I mean, obviously, if anyone listening doesn't know, like, those movies are kind of shrouded in in real unfortunate circumstances because the actual director is he's like a convicted pedophile or something. And
1: of oh, the cheapest creepers. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so, like, anytime I talk about these movies, I always feel sorta because I talk about them positively. Like, I feel kind of. Yeah. Like I'm always in battle, like a good and a bad angel on my shoulder. It's like Eddie, you can't like these movies because they're made by a like 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 the worst human like alive. And then I hear you.
1: I mean, look, one of my favorite movies of all time, Rosemary's is, uh, Baby, and I will I will never stop watching that movie. It's um it's one of my all time favorite movies. So I don't know. I guess we're both going to hell, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'll probably go there, but. <laughs> based off of based off of what you put on film you might be getting there a little sooner than me like some people would probably say you're getting there a little sooner than me just based off of yeah. the fact that you cut a woman in half that's
1: it we did right like <laughs> okay. that's yep. the
0: that's the like you had to know this is like this is going to be the like the talked about moment this is going to be you can't really beat this in a way
1: yeah we absolutely did uh if we pulled it off so we knew we knew it had the potential to be something really cool. And that was the scene that we talked about the most. We prepped the most. Um, we took the longest with the special effects, making sure they looked as good as we could make them look. Oh. And, uh, and really, we have to give almost all the credit for that scene to Catherine for actually being such a trooper. And lending her body like that to us. And like, there's no, there's no illusions. She's really hanging upside down naked by her ankles. There's, I mean, it is what it is. And that was, that was intense. It was a little dangerous, um, cold, dingy environment, probably in the winter when we shot that in the middle of the night. And you know, she could only be upside down for 30 seconds at a time before it really started getting to her. So we had to be on our A game. We were very serious. We had to be like a well-oiled machine and know exactly, you know, how to get her down, how to get her back up immediately. And it was, it was rough. But uh, she, when I casted her and then I met her where she lived to have coffee and talk about the role, she was just so adamant about that scene and making it look as cool as possible. She was all for it. She's like, this has to be the, like the greatest kill anybody's ever seen. Like, let's do it. Let's go all out. No, no, no. That's what you need. That's what you want to pray for, because that could have gone wrong. You know, just having the wrong actors could have made that an absolute nightmare. You, you know, I have some of the worst experiences I've, I've ever had on movies is just with bad actors. So thank God that was not one of those circumstances. Yeah.
0: What about the criticism when you cuz obviously I would think that's the that's probably the when you're reading comments like you love to do I'm like I'm sure that's the one that you stumble across the most where people are going you know they're divided literally like they are cut in half They're like some of the people love that scene and some people think that is like the epitome of what is wrong with <laughs> with yeah. with people Which I
1: love <laughs> I love here hearing- <laughs> and that's, that's- um, yeah, for the most part, I think that that kill is a positive, um, element of, of the movie. Most people think that that's awesome. And I mean, if you don't know what you're getting into with the movie, you know, most people <laughs> at some point, by the time they get up to that scene, yeah. you know, it's pretty much your fault if you're still watching it. <laughs> most people love what they saw. They feel like they were delivered the goods. Um, but that's what I you know, we're going up against, even though it was like a micro budget movie. um, Once the movie's all said and done, people are going to judge it as if you had a hundred million dollars. It does. It doesn't matter. They don't care how hard it was, how little money you had, just do not waste their time. You know? And I knew that they're going to compare it to any other movie, whether it be a Hollywood horror movie or anything, they're going to compare it to it. So I said, what do we have that the big boys don't have necessarily? and i knew that i could since i'm a makeup effects artist and we didn't we weren't dealing with the studio or the mpaa i knew that we could show the audience some really insane violence that they wouldn't get anywhere else so so that was one of our strong suits and i was like let's 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 go all out here and let's really deliver the goods in the in the gore department especially with this kill so.
0: And I think it's safe to say if, if you felt a little more because I think you might have, correct me if I'm wrong, you you might have done the editing the way you did it because maybe you felt as though the the effects weren't 100% like you did with the opening of the movie or did you do that as a, was that like a like a conscious choice like you did that like I don't want to literally show everything or did you maybe contemplate doing it as a one take kind of thing just like all the way down?
1: No, never. Um, it's always safer to not linger on the effects because they're, the longer you linger on them, the more phony they're going to look. Okay. But I personally, I love that sort of almost subliminal cutting with graphic violence. It's one of the it's one of the things I grew up loving with um, with sort of like the Romero movies and even like Savini's work, the, the kills in the, the final chapter, Friday, 13th, the final chapter. They're very graphic, but they're very fast. So if like you blink, you miss them. So you know we didn't. I didn't cut them that short, but I, I do like showing quick glimpses. But at least, at least with that kill, I keep going back to them. Oh yeah. So it's like it's it still it still comes off as a very relentless kill. Mm-hmm. But images of violence are shown very quickly. Yeah. Just yeah.
0: Yeah, I um yeah, it's. I mean, you did a great job, dude. Because it's uh, it takes a lot for me to kind of get turned off in a way and um the last time i can remember that happening is eli roth's the green inferno oh Um, that
1: kill was incredible when they cut off all his limbs yeah 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 i remember
0: like i remember watching that in the theater and i have a pretty strong stomach it doesn't do like it takes a lot to really make me go okay i'm questioning my my taste now and i was watching that movie and i look around at the people watching it with me and i'm like we're like like we're fucked up like we're like we're like we're not we're creating this right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like we're just watching this and we're just like like we're kind of taking a pleasure out of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I've had those moments myself, believe it or not. Um have you ever seen Mel Gibson's Apocalypto?
0: Oh, dude, that's one no. That one I need to see. Oh, that's right. on my watch oh, list.
1: You need to see that immediately. Yes. The movie is stunning, stunning. Brutal movie, brutal movie. And there's a there's a crazy crazy sacrifice sacrificial scene where they just have all the um, they have this tribe captured they bring them to the top of a pyramid and they just keep one after the other just chopping their heads off and cutting their hearts out oh, and shit. i i started to have a fucking panic attack in the theater <laughs> because i was like this shit actually fucking happened I'm like this you know what i mean i was really putting myself in that situation and it's just something about it being like hot and broad daylight the middle of the afternoon and people are down watching it eating fucking fruit and i'm like oh horrible horrible but yeah it's it's powerful stuff man it really can have an effect on you
0: yeah i but like (laughs) i like that stuff fascinates me because like it really is you have to ask yourself why are we you know what is the where do you draw the line of like like Mm. you know what i mean like I recommended yeah. this movie to my to my father, right? Terrifier. I like I recommended after I watched it, I was like, you got to watch this movie. Like this movie is next level bizarre. Like this is something that you just just watch it. Just watch it. It, it. it's unlike any other thing you've ever seen. And so he watched it and he was like, I you know, I liked it and uh until we got to the cutting in half part. And then Ooh. and then I was like, this is too much. Like this is just like yeah. and then and then it turned him <laughs> off, right? So it, it it fascinates me how some people can just be okay with it. And then some people have literally a dilemma with a fictional piece of material. Like this is not based on anything. Yeah. This is not just like, this is just out of your mind. And then he was like, you know, when you're talking to the guy, ask him about like, <laughs> ask him about that moment because that what went
1: wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe like, yeah. Like to, yeah. To like say it lightly. Like, did he have a bad childhood? <laughs>
1: no, man, not at all. Actually, I had a really great childhood. Like, see, that's the ironic
0: fro- part. That's the ironic part, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, I haven't really given myself a sort of Freudian analyzation of like where why I'm so fascinated with monsters and violence. Um, but if you see a lot of a lot of horror filmmakers, they're very sort of passive. And they're very nice people. And, right. and that's where that's where they deal with it in their life, is in this fictional world. That's where they deal with these dark, you know, these dark chambers you know, the hidden in the recesses of their, their mind and everything like that. I, I don't know why. There's definitely something about conquering fear. Um, I remember that as a kid, seeing grown-ups watching movies with me, seeing them be afraid of, say, uh, Freddy. And, I could handle it more than they can. And that giving me some sort of power where I was like, oh, wow, this actually, it's like, hmm, I'm stronger than you. And you're 15 years older than me or something like that. You know what I mean? And then I, something about that kind of grew. And then it got to the point where I wanted to literally be the one who scares them. Um, so I don't know, there's definitely something there, but you know, and real life violence really freaks me out, uh, which blows people's mind. So if you, if you go to show me a video of somebody, I, I look away. I can't, uh, I can't watch it. I have a hard time watching even operations, but if it's fake, I could create the most savage, brutal thing ever. So, I mean, there's a clear difference between reality and and fiction. So,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and then, but then you just have those people that, that, that can't separate it. Right. And I'll include my dad in that because it's like, what the hell? I mean, yeah, it's a movie, so it turns you off, but you know, like that's just, sort of what I,
1: it's, it's understandable. I mean, I, you know, I totally get it. I don't think your dad's a weirdo for that. I think we're <laughs> weirdos for, for love. but it's still, it's still in our DNA, right? It's like, why do we still love watching UFC, you know, watching people beat the piss out of themselves and nearly kill each other. And it's like, those are your modern day gladiators. And in the grand scheme of things, that was yesterday. So we have this inherent bloodlust very much still in us. Oh, and I think, you know, yeah. So watching it fictionally um is one way to sort of quench that that primal thirst that we have.
0: Oh, hundred percent.
1: It's safe to say that. Yeah.
0: That's sort of like that, like that's sort of your purge, right? Like that's yeah, exactly. how that's literally how you do it. And yet you come across as somebody where, like, because that's a like that's a popular question. If the purge was real, would you participate? Yeah. I wouldn't. No. <laughs> exactly. Like you come across as <laughs> someone who would be like, "I ain't doing <laughs> that shit." Like I'm the same way. Like I'm like I'm battening down the hatches and.
1: Yep. No. Going to bed. I'll wake <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm good. I'm good. Um. Relatively nice guy outside of the movies. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll say. Like seriously. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with you, but I mean. Uh, some people would just. Look at Terrifier and go, man! But isn't that based on? Because I was watching. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Dead Meat on YouTube.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I, seen like, that video.
0: Yeah, because they were like doing a review of uh, of Terrifier, and they were talking about that, and they were saying that this is based on like an old, old kind of torture method. Like this is actually something that. Oh yes. Used to exist.
1: So yeah, the I have I've also heard that that's that's sort of a myth. Um, if if they actually did do it, but supposedly. Yeah, they would hang somebody upside down and use like a giant saw, like one of those saws that you use, like one person on each end to like cut trees.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: and they'd saw that person in half. And supposedly because you're hanging up, they'd let you hang upside down for a while, so all the blood lowered. And then there was really no, I guess no arteries or anything to hit for quite some time. So like you wouldn't bleed out very fast and you would (laughs) really suffer until they got down to like your chest plate. I, I don't know but it sounded horrible and I'd never seen it before. So I said, that's something I'd like <laughs> to show people. <laughs> so <laughs> let's but, see if we can do that.
0: But like when you're, like when you're constructing it yourself for the filmmaking process, are you trying to do it as it would literally happen? Or are you taking some liberties? Cause I think like there's some oh. like, it, like, it's like 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 there's liberties in there, right? Absolutely. Taking
1: liberties. Uh, there's no way in hell he would ever be able to cut her in half with that hacksaw. And it would also take probably uh, two, two hours if he did have the greatest soul, way to, to cut through it. Uh, but, you know, you want to get in there, you want to get out and that's it. And get on with the movie and hopefully, you know, freak the shit out of some people.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. So,
1: yeah. I mean, that's the hard part right now is now everybody, we set the bar pretty high with that kill. And now everybody's asking, how do we top that kill in terrifier Two? And that's something I've been struggling with since I started writing the script. Till right now we're still prepping that kill so that's one of the scenes that we still have left is that major kill scene um, I don't know if we're gonna succeed or not it's certainly gonna be it's gonna be bloodier it's gonna be gorier but there's something about that concept that is so cool and original and it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to top that concept yeah. but we'll see we'll see
0: that's so cool to know, like, that you, as of this recording, which uh, today is, what is it, uh, August 18th, that you have mm-hmm. yet to film the iconic, potentially yeah. topper of uh, the, uh, the the cutting in half from ter- from the first film. Like, that's crazy, dude. That, that's yep.
1: yeah, Three hours to- ago, me and my producer, Phil, were just casting a bunch of body parts, getting ready for it. <laughs> Jesus. So, we're working hard. It's a big, big kill scene. There's a lot going on. It's another one of those relentless kills that just goes on forever, and people are going to have to either they're going to love it or they're going to look away and get up and walk out <laughs> of the theater or wherever they're watching it.
0: So, okay, so it's safe to say this is probably don't don't recommend this to my to my father. This one,
1: no, it's it's, <laughs> worse. it's as bad or worse than the first hour. Of uh, sorry, Dad. My- <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Which is a shame because he might like this story a lot more um it's a lot more accessible it's a lot more more of a traditional narrative the way you original it's probably closer to say a nightmare on elm street than anything else this one um but then we still have that really graphic violence that may sort of you know turn some people off but who knows
0: <laughs> now i have heard you talk in interviews that you have a solid trilogy planned and that you just literally want to leave it at a trilogy. You, like you don't want this thing to turn into to like Halloween, yeah. right? You don't want this to turn into a choose your own adventure kind of thing.
1: No, because exactly, yeah, I don't like that at all. Um, I feel like at some point you're absolutely. I'm already having a hard time coming up with kills to top that hack, <laughs> and now I got to go even further in part three. Um, so at, at what point is it just going to become very redundant and? It's just gonna. You, they all eventually jump the shark at some point, you know. Not to discount those movies at all. Let's say I'm above them because I still watch all of those movies. I watch. Uh, I, I love. You know, deep into the series, I watch all of those movies. So, it's not that. It's just a lack of imagination that you're never inevitably gonna run into. So I don't know. I'll say I have a great idea for a Terrifier three. Again, Terrifier Three is not a hundred percent. We could end it at part two and just see how it goes. But if we do decide to make it a trilogy, I haven't I absolutely know where to take it and what we can what we can do with it. And I'm pretty sure people are gonna wanna see more Art the Clown at this point from the reactions I'm seeing. So there's a very good chance. <laughs> we'll see a part three.
0: And then but you could go the anthology route, Halloween esque. And then you could do season of the art or something like that.
1: Yeah, which in hindsight, I actually like that movie a lot. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it had no chance when it came out because there was no Michael Myers, so that was it done. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's uh, you'll. uh, So do you think art is like so? It's hard to separate, you know, because you are the guy that created art. So me asking this question is a little tricky. But if you can try your hardest, do you think as the creator? Do you think art is a actual horror icon do you do you think of him as that or do you try to be no like he's not there yet
1: i i don't think he's there yet Uh, i i think um i i think he still needs to stand a bit of the test of time i i think that the sequel could cement him a lot a lot more um but mm, no i don't i don't think he's i don't think he's up there yet uh, certainly not in my eyes I don't know I, I still I still think this whole thing is surreal you know seeing him compared to uh, Freddie and Michael Myers and stuff like that yeah. I think it's amazing and don't get me wrong I absolutely saw the potential in this character and that's why I've been making subsequent movies and shorts with him since I created him trying to get him to this point where we are now because I that de- definitely saw the there was promise there you know, and I'm and I'm a huge fan. I think he looks cool, and like he checks all the boxes for me personally of what I would want to see in a slasher. And he's also just a huge combination of all the elements from the slashers we grew up loving. So yeah, you know, he has a bit of the personality of Freddy and the silent stalker like Michael Myers, and he's on on Halloween, and he's a little stronger and more brutal like Jason, a little more gritty like Leatherface, and does some more twisted things that like Leatherface that those other characters wouldn't do. Um, and then just throw the clown aspect on top of it and shake it up and then you got art. So,
0: oh yeah, dude. I mean, he's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, cause it's kind of out of frame, but is that art literally to your left?
1: Yeah. Let's see. Yep. Oh, uh, mortal masks, uh, mask. Yeah. Nice dude. Yeah.
0: Oh man. And then what's behind you there? What's that poster? Class of 19.
1: You ever see that movie? No. Yeah, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. It's called *Class of 1984*. Mm-hmm. Amazing! That's like your textbook great exploitation movie. Like when you say, like when you see how people try and make modern grindhouse movies, like modern exploitation movies, they just really—they always wind up coming out sort of like corny and gimmicky. Like that—that's a real genuine one. That's I, I can't recommend enough. It's an amazing revenge movie. Like uh, they've made that type of movie a thousand times. It's the classic good teacher comes to a bad school with the bad students. But this is this is a version that I would be obsessed with. It's super hardcore, super hardcore. Um, just an amazing movie. So definitely watch that if you can.
0: I was gonna say, well, you have me yeah. at because it's 1984, and that's when uh, the first Terminator came out, and when it's it first- was and when it was set in. So yeah,
1: that's when I was born. So that's, that's a little cherry on top as well. So oh, nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I would actually do, de- uh, here's a, here's a, so the, we'll t- to kind of round it out to the, like my Terminator question to you is do you think of, um, do you think of the character that Arnold played in the first one? Do you think of him as a slasher?
1: Oh, wow. That's a good question. There's definitely a horror element to the first one. Um, Big time. That's lost in the uh, in the later films. You know, I don't look at him as a slasher, but um, why not? I wouldn't really argue that. If someone viewed him as a slasher, I wouldn't try and argue that he's not. I mean, he's got an amazing kill count. But that horror element of just him. Especially in that one that he slowly decomposes through the movie, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is a lot it's a lot cooler. Uh, I love that element. Do you like him better as a villain or as a hero?
0: Oh, a hundred percent as the villain, hundred percent. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I um, I I mean, like, don't get me wrong, Arnold and Arnold and T two is you know iconic and sort of like if you don't have a dad, I can imagine people watching that movie and being like,
1: like, I wish, not, yeah, exactly. You know, what I mean, like maybe
0: like I wish that was my dad. Um, but there's just something like, like you said, I think because there's so many Terminator films and he consistently played, and this is why when I was doing the podcast, dark fate had not come out yet. And I was, I was so adamant about either a going back to Arnold, just somehow being a bad guy, but I was really hoping they were going to make him the human, uh, kind of prototype.
1: Right. Yeah. That they basically. off
0: of something that like idea. that. Like somehow you can work that into the story, make it make sense despite all this time travel bullshit. And they didn't do that. You know, they made him again like a, like a Terminator and now he's just settled down, but now he's, he's sort of doing what you're asking about at the end of Terminator two. Now he's even further along in that evolution.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see it yet.
0: Oh, okay. Um, oh, okay. So you haven't seen it.
1: Yeah. I feel the same way about the Terminators that I do about the alien Trilogy, once they got to Alien 3 and they killed off my beloved characters from <laughs> Alien, I checked out. I checked out. Yeah. Uh, to me, the series ends at uh, Aliens and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Cause that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Of all time. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with Ripley in that movie, you know, Michael Bean in that movie, Bill Paxton. I mean, the characters are stunning in Aliens. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so one good. of my th-
0: that, that that's one of my big regrets when I had Michael on I literally only talked about the terminator with him and
1: but that's you can't fault yourself for that cuz you could talk to him about Kyle Reese that character forever forever and <laughs> there's so many layers to Kyle Reese um, I actually he's my favorite part of terminator to me it's Kyle Reese's story he's the hero i mean he's the he's the one who has the just an unfathomable mission just to go back in time, try to stop something you know is essentially impossible. The fact that he just goes back completely naked and vulnerable into a time that he's never been in, it's brilliant. It's just the most amazing setup ever. I've, I love that character so much, so much. And uh, yeah, it's so cool. I, I love stuff like that. Even like all the um, the religious sort of elements that, uh, that he put into it, like JC, like John Connor, Jesus Christ, and then... Kyle Reese is like the, you know, the Holy Spirit coming down, immaculate conception, all that beautiful stuff. That's, that's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. They keep reinventing mythology. This
0: yeah. It's great. Yeah. Hopefully nothing happens to you like the way it happened with, uh, with James Cameron. Cause he, uh, he went through multiple and this is again, something I, I, I used to talk about. He went through multiple, like people saying I created the Terminator. No, I created the Terminator. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's, oh, it's insane. I can't
1: wait. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> No, I
0: created. Sure. I created Art the Clown. No, I created Art the Clown. Uh,
1: I, nothing would surprise me anymore. Uh, I'm sure I'm gonna have to deal with some crazy stuff down the line, but I, I don't know.
0: I'm honestly surprised I, that hasn't happened yet.
1: I mean, the the one thing in my favor is I created him so long ago. It would be it would be really hard for somebody to prove that they did it. I mean, I I made the first short in 2006 or five i mean i still have the film cans in my my mother's uh closet so good luck trying to prove that <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know yeah like it's 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 just nutty how someone but literally they've always been disproven like they've always like the like the famous one is the harlan ellison which if you watch the whole film even hear
1: some things about that yeah
0: yeah like if you watch the whole film the first terminator film at the end they had to include a credit to him it says like the producers wish to acknowledge the works of harlan ellison or something like that and that was wow. how that was how they settled out of court so the...
1: <laughs> i'm sure they had to pay a lot of money too i'll sure that person's living great but who knows maybe that person's actually telling the truth and that would suck for them as well so but...
0: oh well what in this case he's dead <laughs> <laughs> so he took it to the grave
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm siding with Cameron on this one
0: <laughs> yeah like well me too I mean to like to me like yeah. it's just unfortunate we never were able to get both of them in the room like that would have been a really interesting documentary get him and Cameron to sit down at a table and just like do like a like like a podcast-esque form conversation of like. that's what
1: I say if one of them is willing to do it and the other one's not willing to do it you gotta go you gotta side with the one who's willing to do it because clearly the other one's got something
0: to hide. That's
1: know? true. Yeah. So okay, so if someone comes out, right, and say they they made art, I'll come on your podcast with that person and let's let's uh, let's have it out.
0: Yeah, cuz I can actually uh, bring a third person in here so we'll do it. <laughs> but uh, but I but literally I don't wish that even on you because that's just like that's a headache you don't need. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: But I mean, <clears throat> based off of like if Terrifier 2, man, Terrifier 2 could, you know, catapulted like you said even further and that's the unfortunate part it's like where do you want the level of success to stop like do you want the level of success to just continuously rise like do you want to be the next john carpenter or or are you okay being damien and at the level you're at right now
1: oh as long as i could just make movies and i could do that for a living i mean i wouldn't mind living in this small studio apartment for forever like it's, it has nothing to do with that and i would just hate to have to do something else with my life i mean this is all i ever wanted to do was make movies so that's it i mean i'm i'm, I'm good uh if people that that's amazing and that's a dream come true if one day people say i'm i'm up there with wes craven and george Romero, i mean that's too good to be true but i'll take it but you know you just you can't really be coming from that place uh i I don't think there's there's something very that's not what it's about i mean this just has to this has to be with you what you absolutely love what you were born to do like i don't have a choice there's really nothing else i can possibly do with my life this is all i wanted to do since i'm 12 years old so i'm just not i'm just too stupid to stop (laughs) you know people have been telling me for years stop you know do something else get a real job get a stable job you do something you know you can't it's not about that
0: yeah man and, I, and and again, like I said at the top of the episode, your story is so amazing because you like like the whole indieGoGo crowdfunding kind of raising it through fans and 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 that's how you get your budget raised. I find that instantly fascinating because that's literally something that when did that start? Yeah. like like that's a real recent kind of thing, right that like that hasn't been around a whole long time. Wow.
1: At this point, I don't know, time's flying now, so it, it seems a lot sooner, but I'd say probably within like the past 10 years, maybe that's been happening like really happening, maybe maybe less. but yeah, yeah we figured, what the hell man, give it a give it a try. And I gotta say, because I think we set the um, we set the goal at 50,000 and we wound up making 240 or something like that, which was unbelievable for we Terrifier did, too
0: for Terrifier too. Terrify-
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. Didn't expect that at all, and thank God we did because we would have never, we would have never been able to make the movie without that. With, believe it or not, without that extra money. So, you know, thinking what we could have made the movie for, for like fifty thousand dollars, would have been impossible to do. So, <laughs> yeah. So the fans really have no idea how much they came through with that Indiegogo. Because <laughs> none of that money, none of that money went into our pockets. Like, it's all on the screen. It's all on the screen
0: well yeah so okay so that's like a real fascinating part about the whole thing because isn't there like a like that's part of a stipulation right or no 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 no. because i'm i'm following someone who's doing uh his name's dave mccray he's doing a black christmas fan film and he's uh doing the same thing he's trying to go through indiegogo um but mm-hmm. yours yours is a, you're an original character so you're not like you can profit right versus someone like him he can't profit off of this because it's an ip he doesn't own
1: Oh, that's a good point. I I don't know, but oh okay, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure how that works with a fan film. Um, but yeah, I mean, all I all I can tell you is that money was a, a godsend because this is such a huge, huge movie. It's it's twenty times bigger than the first one. It's in a completely different universe. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited for people to see what we did, what we did with this one.
0: But you are able to go off and sell like the Blu-rays and stuff. So you are able to. To make a profit okay. off of it,
1: it depends what we do with distribution. If we decide to stay, if we do it ourselves and go self distribution, then we could sell every every aspect of the movie ourselves, which is a lot of work. Um, but depend if you hook up with a distributor, then they'll sell the Blu-rays and you'll split profits and this and that. Huh. That whole that whole thing is tricky and a headache. The whole distribution I bet. aspect, uh, awful. I hate that whole part of it. Um, I try and just stick to the the (laughs) art part part of it as much as I can, but unfortunately it is a it is a business and we deal with a lot of that crap. So yeah, learning on the job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) On a daily
1: basis. I
0: think I think to answer your question or to answer the question I asked you about him being an icon, I think once art ends up at Halloween horror nights, I think that's how I think that's that's sort of my like, just as my like my two cents, whatever that's worth. But uh, yeah. living in Orlando, like Halloween Horror Nights is like that's the shit. Unfortunately, it's canceled this year. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, once Art ends up with his own house at Halloween Horror Nights. Wow. Okay. Right. Like, I think that's a like that's a I think that's a level to uh, to strive for, yeah. and it's definitely like that is something I think a lot of people would want to experience.
1: I would, That would be such a such an <laughs> honor. Well, all right. Once I see that, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. <laughs> You'll be the first to know if I see it. Oh man, so cool. that would be cool. That would be. Yeah, awesome. I'd love that. I'd love that.
0: Yeah, because they have uh, they have Jack the Clown. They have um. That's like like that like that's um.
1: That's their, like in house one sort
0: of. Yeah, or? like that's the one that Universal uh, Studios uh, created for that event. That was the first icon that they ever created. Okay and he is just he's a he's a fucked up looking clown
1: that's cool <laughs> That's <Yeah>.
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I pictures of him but uh yeah it's it's funny uh because during this whole process this whole journey you hear you know, other people involved in the film or other members on the crew like oh once he becomes an action figure that's it he's an icon then you get the action figure <laughs> and it's like oh once he gets a halloween mask a halloween costume and he's in stores there you go and then that doesn't it never, none of this ever really sinks in, which I guess is a good thing, because
0: keeps you humble. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I'm totally cool with that. Um, as long as I just keep desperately trying to deliver the goods, uh, which is all I'm interested in right now. So all I care about is really just delivering the most amazing slasher that I'm capable of. Yeah, uh, and that's what. Yeah, that's what we did with part two.
0: Here, yeah, I'm uh I just want to pull it up here and show you. I was uh let me see here find the best one. He started out as like a clown that was wearing like the classic circus outfit and then he got into uh This one's pretty good. This is uh This is when they did Carnival of Carnage.
1: Oh yeah, he's creepy looking. That's cool.
0: <laughs> and they oh, brought yeah. uh that was my first year actually. They brought Freddy, Jason and Leatherface to that event.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Love-
0: so, I mean, but honestly, seriously, because he talks, and I think the like the moment you talk, you instantly lose a creep factor. So, I agree. Not, I agree. not because you're on the other end of this stream, Art literally is creepier than Jack the Clown, and I'm not kissing ass, oh, but it's, oh, seriously, because Art doesn't talk, and I know you can't give spoilers, but I seriously hope he does not talk in Terrifier, too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, going into it, I always gravitated a little more toward the silent ones. Um, there's something, when you cut off the communication, There's just you're cutting off another layer of humanity where you can't, it's like you can't reason with this person. Even though you know you can't reason with Freddie, but you feel like you might have a choice. There's more of a chance. There's more of a, an intelligence behind the, behind the character when they're speaking to you and you think maybe there's a little shred of humanity in there that this killer doesn't necessarily have. So yeah, I always thought the silent ones were a little creepier. Mm -hmm. So that's why we decided to make art silent, yeah.
0: Yeah, dude. Well, look, I'm gonna, uh, you've been very, very awesome with your time here. Uh, The the one last thing that I have a a question about, and I think a lot of people, again, you might've answered this. I, I wasn't able to go through every single interview you've ever did or done, but is, is the, is, how do I phrase this? Is art's face a mask or is that his face that he puts makeup on?
1: It's his face that he puts makeup on.
0: Oh, yeah. okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, it's really hard to decipher because it looks like it could be a mask that he puts on or that he's like, like prosthetically painting on yeah. somehow or.
1: Well, yeah, he definitely has a very, uh, exaggerated Facial structure, the
0: one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I understand that. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to fall into the category where he's because if he was really putting this on as a mask that's that articulate, he'd have to be some sort of makeup artist, and I didn't want to fall into that okay. category. It's, it's one thing to just put clown makeup on yourself like that. I'm, I'm cool with, but him actually making prosthetics and gluing them onto his face <laughs> is too. Much. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> he definitely looks intense, though. Um, I wanted him to look like a combination of the comic book Joker, sort of your classic devil with the very pointy gaunt features and a little more of um, a zombie. Well, cause when I first made him in the short film, the ninth circle, it was a different prosthetic and it was a lot more subtle. He didn't really have that zombie vibe with the sunken in uh, eye sockets and things like that. So I I definitely revised the makeup as we went along.
0: Yeah, dude, it's, it's amazing looking. It's, uh, it's very, uh, it, you know, it it definitely makes sense what you just said there. I don't know why I didn't think of that because then of course, like you said, he would have to be some like Hollywood makeup artist with like a grudge, <laughs> 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 like Rick Baker gone wrong or wrong or something.
1: Which sounds pretty awesome, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you see his episode of Rogan, by the way, Rick Baker's? Of
1: course. I lost my mind. I couldn't believe that was actually happening. Yep. couldn't believe it actually happened.
0: That always, like, like that'll happen every once in a while, where I'll be, because normally Rogan's guests are people that you've never heard of, but that are still incredibly interesting. And then, of yeah, course, yeah. like, every once in a while, like today, he just dropped uh, David Blaine.
1: I, I already, I'm already, i like, already, like, an hour into it. And it's, oh, shit. It's stunning. Oh, one of the best episodes I've seen so far. I'm oh,
0: so God. hyped for that one, because I love, like, I used to do Magic and, and, and Blaine. Oh,
1: you're going to lose your oh, mind. It's so good. It's so, so good. good.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank God. And and and, and thank <laughs> God he... sorry. I think there was a little delay there.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll just tell you that he's actually like doing magic tricks during the podcast. It's unbelievable to Joe
0: Rogan. Is, but like is Joe yeah, kind of being sure. dickish about it, or is he just sort of like perform magic for me?
1: No, going with it. And the way David Blaine sneaks it in is that he's <laughs> not doing the trick and all of a sudden he starts doing it. It's, it's amazing.
0: It's oh so great. dude, I'm so hyped for it. Yeah, I but like I love that stuff, but the Rick Baker one, that was I love that one and I I love Rick Baker's voice. I love how just he's so calm. Soothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, love- he's perfect for a podcast. Like why doesn't Rick Baker have a podcast?
1: I know. Well, he's starting to utilize uh social media a bit. You know, you can see. I mean, unfortunately, he's retired, but he still is constantly making things. So he's constantly showing his sculptures and whatever little pro- personal projects he's doing on his Instagram, which is so cool. That's great though. I mean, he's living the life. He doesn't have to work and he's just literally doing what he loves every day with no pressure. I know he's like waking up and being a kid every day. That's gotta be amazing.
0: So cool. And so, one of my favorite stories is he was yeah. like uh, the universal wanted me to paint Jim Carrey green for the Grinch. It's just like you hear that and you're thinking, man, no wonder you retired because yep, like that's literally what you wanted. You wanted a green Jim Carrey, no prosthetics, no nothing. You just wanted him. I don't know, but it's, it is unfortunate that he had a, because I think it was the Wolfman that kind of really set him off the edge. The The remake of the Wolfman.
1: Yep. It's happened to him over and over again. When he was, when he was making a, uh, In 19, was it the 76 King Kong? They didn't even want King Kong to be an ape. They wanted him to be a giant caveman type creature. (laughs) And he refused. He refused. Like they gave him a shit ton of money to go build a prototype of this caveman. And he refused to build it. Didn't tell them. And he just went and built an ape suit. And, and they like the executives came to his studio, or whatever, and he just came out wearing the ape suit and scared the shit out of him. And he's like, "This is what King Kong is going to be," basically, <laughs> which is amazing. But yeah, you got to listen to the monster maker sometimes.
0: <laughs> oh man,
1: you know, yeah.
0: And I it's... and I seriously hope you never come like that. That that you haven't run into that on on your stuff, but you probably haven't because you are independent, right? So you really have a hundred percent say.
1: Yeah, um, for the most – I mean, with the terrifiers, yes. When I made All Hallows' Eve, there were some parameters I had to to stick to. Um, The whole VHS angle, like I didn't didn't want to do that. I thought that was so – obviously, so much like The Ring. I thought that was ridiculous. But they were – at the time, those movies – the movies VHS, those anthology movies were popular. they They were just piggybacking off of VHS and they were like yeah this is going to be our VHS so we got to get a VHS tape in there yeah so like, things like that yeah so you can only imagine and that was peanuts absolutely peanuts you can't i mean when there's 200 million dollars on the line you're going to have to listen to a lot of people with a lot of power so that's scary i'm not looking forward to that um i don't know i would like you said before i would be totally happy doing this making low budget movies just as long as I'm able to make them and support myself, I would be perfectly happy. I I don't, I don't need to be in Hollywood or anything like that. I mean, as long as I can just make what I want to make, I would be very happy, very happy.
0: And uh, as long as it's 90% or uh, above in terms of uh, creative control.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I want all the control. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, dude, I don't blame you, man. Like I can't imagine Again, like going back to Rogan, like that's what I love about the dude. He never he like he's never really gone off and, you know, now that he has this Spotify deal, he, you know, like I was a little worried when I heard about that and I was thinking like yeah. what's going to change? And then in that video that he released, he was like, you know, nothing's changing and I wouldn't have it yeah. any other way. So he like he comes across as somebody that you don't like screw into a deal. <laughs>
1: That's what I love about him. Yeah, in that podcast, it's so pure. Like nothing is forced. Yeah, it, I, I've been watching it, before, like when he was like three studios ago, whatever, four studios when he was in like this dark purple, fucking hole yeah. in the wall. Like I, you know, like my friend introduced me to him. My friend Gary back in uh, like 2010 or something crazy, and I was like, oh man, like I didn't know anything about podcasts or anything then, but uh, he was just uh, some about him really speaking to me. I, I just liked how honest he was and how. Sort of just like middle of the road, he was and open minded and practical with things. Yeah, still love him to this day. Yeah, need a lot more of that. I think a lot more people need to start listening to this fucking guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> especially today. Oh yeah. Oh man.
0: Yeah. And of course, fear. It's my factor. little
1: Ed. Fear factor is great. <laughs> yeah, I he's think... great. He's a talented dude. Yeah, he's a special, special guy.
0: Yeah. yeah, and dude, listen. One day, I don't like don't like don't put it past this. You actually will probably be on the fucking joe rogan experience
1: oh my god that's amazing <laughs> did you know did you notice this
0: dude <laughs> hold on all right that's pretty fucking like that's badass what do you got i just got i got the hat yeah <laughs> and, dude all right and i got Made the keychain <laughs> yes dude wait hold wait hold them up
1: again okay and is there any way to get a freeze frame of
0: this? Oh yeah. Probably not. Um, hold on. Let me do the, yeah, cuz I'm dude. on my laptop, so let me do the I got to probably do it. There we go. Something like. There we go. And then nice. One second, hold on. Cuz now I'm dragging it. I'm doing this with my left hand so Cuz I was going to get a like a freeze frame anyway, so this is perfect. All right. On the count of 3, 1 2 there we go nice fucking awesome dude i love it man two two rogan fans
1: oh big time. that's fucking great
0: well look damien this is uh this has been a lot of fun man and um i i literally wish you nothing but the best with terrifier 2 and um definitely want to stay in touch with you because i uh i like i think you're one of the coolest humblest down-to-earth talented guys and i love the fact that you haven't let it go to your head so it's badass Thanks. man I-
1: I appreciate it. This was a blast, dude. You're you're the man. I had such a good time, dude. So thank you so much for reaching out. This was a pleasure. I'll come shoot the shit anytime with you, man. This is great.
0: Fucking awesome. All right, man. I'll talk to you later.
1: All right. Take care, buddy. Bye. Bye.